Guess who? It's me again. It's five o'clock. You care what the mainstream media says? What's up, fam? You out there? You listening? Coming to you live from central Wisconsin, where you're looking live at the foxhole.app. I appreciate you guys being all out there today. Hope all is well. We got another edition of a lot of uh, Durham news today, and I have not had a chance to really look into any of it very much, so we're going to do that live here pretty quick. Uh, There's some other good stuff out there going on today with the World Economic Forum. Uh, Twitter, I guess, is censoring some stuff over there. So, of course, if somebody's censoring it out there, we got to have a little talk about that. So we'll talk about that a little bit here today. Uh, for the first time today, I am streaming on over at uh, Telegram as well. And I see a couple people out there listening, so I'm hoping that everything is working okay over there. It looks like everything's good to go. Uh, so I appreciate you guys joining us. If you're over there on Telegram today, you can find the live streams over at the foxhole.app or on the website, uncensoreddave.com. Check it out when you guys get time. There's there's uh, all the information is over there. Thanks for joining us here today, guys. I appreciate you all getting out there today and hanging out. We got lots to get to today. First of all, I want to say hello to everyone over there at the foxhole.app. Thanks for joining us here today. Bearish Mama in the house. Willie Fix It as well as Polidius. Thanks for being here today, guys. I appreciate you very much. The crowd will eventually work their way in here. They're usually a little bit late. <laughs> Check out the Uncensored Dave com for all the information about the website about the show uh the podcast is up pretty much everywhere you can find the main ones are podbean iheart apple google and spotify you can listen to the podcast directly from the website as well as watch the show directly from the website so check that out when you get time don't forget to check out the merchandise if you want some cool shirts i'm going to be updating the merchandise here pretty soon scroll down a little bit and you'll see that every day at monday through friday five eastern four central we go live on the foxhole d live twitch rumble cloud hub and tiger network youtube hates us banned us so be it previous shows are Always up on the on the website right there. The last two shows, as well as uh, the mobile events, things that I think you need to see, uh, such as the Dr. Judy Mikovits interview that I did uh, over at the uh, Reawaken Tour. A very important interview. If you haven't seen that yet, check that out. Help keep the lights on. Cash App, PayPal, and Patreon are how you can do that. Or you can go to mypillow.com backslash Abe, who is a new sponsor for the show. And we appreciate them and all of you very much who have been using the discount code Abe to get yourself a free gift and get an awesome discount and get yourself some slippers or, you know, everyone needs towels or something, but there's all kinds of good stuff. They have a huge blowout sale on slippers right now. So check that out when you guys get time. You can save 90 bucks on a pair of slippers. I've heard a lot of people say that they really enjoy the slippers, kind of like indoor, outdoor, you know, going to the garage to get something or putts around the house kind of thing. So I hear they're really comfortable and they're really uh, solid slippers. So check that out when you guys get time. The cover, you get a free uh, copy of uh, Mike's book uh, when you get when you order with discount code Abe. So make sure you use that discount code and you'll get a great discount and uh, a free book to go with it. Uh, they also have buy one get one free stuffs going on, and they're starting to launch 
their uh, Memorial Day stuff this week. So we'll start to see some of that stuff coming in uh, this week. Thanks to all who serve to protect our freedom. Huge savings. Uh, Memorial Day, save up to 66% off on MyPillow.com backslash Abe. We appreciate them very much. We can't do this without, uh, you know, the bills getting paid. And all of you guys out there somehow always make sure that my bills get paid. We appreciate you guys very much. Much love to you all. If you can't uh, help financially, just do me a favor. Share the stream with somebody somewhere, somehow, some way. Put it in your favorite social media. I'm over on Fox, uh, Facebook, True Social, Gab, as well as Telegram. All of those links are at the very bottom right there. If you want to email me, the email address is up there, as well as the link tree, which is going to be changing soon. Okay, that's on the list. P.O. Box is at the very bottom right there. If you want to mail me something, there's everything on Sensor Day. Check, I appreciate you guys being there out here today. Hope all is well. Bales is in the house. Bales sent, sent himself. Good to see you out there, friend. My uh, brother from down under. Hope all is well, man. Hope I hope you guys are hanging in there. What is going on with your elections, bro? Isn't are they just rejecting anything uh, conservative now in Australia, man? Because it, it looks like they went Green Party. Is that true? Um, I appreciate you being out there. Knock my socks off is out there hanging out as well. Thanks for being here today, guys. Much love. Thank you for the for the cam, Bales. Good to see you, man. Um, everyone over there on Telegram, thanks for being here today, guys. First first time uh, st- uh, streaming over on Telegram. Figured I'd give it a try and see, you know, if anyone's over there uh, just happens to be checking in, want to want to hop in for you know while you're at lunch or while you get a second, and then you can always catch the full show if you go to uncensoredabe.com. Thanks for being here today, guys. I appreciate you. Everyone, all the lurkers over there on, on Tiger Network Toro3.com and everywhere. Thanks for being here today, guys. Much love. Rumble is out there hanging out. Good to see you, everyone over there on Rumble. Do me a favor, hit that plus button on the Rumble there, Chris. And uh, Hank and several lurkers out there. Thanks for being here today, guys. D Live uh, demonetized me and banned my chat room because I was putting too much truth out there. So do me a favor, take all your money out of D Live and put it into Rumble or or the Foxhole.app. Pick a, pick one of your platforms that's alternate to D Live. Screw them, man. They've been demonetizing and getting rid of everybody on there and and same old stuff. Same, just another day. So um, so bowl with your wallets, guys. Uh, Z Patriot dropping a grenade in chat. I'll hop on that grenade for everybody out there. Don't worry. Uh, everything is all good. Brian's in the house. Chris, thank you for everything you do out there for dropping the links as well as you, Palladius. Thanks, guys, for being here today. Several lurkers out there just kind of working their way in today. Thanks for being here today, guys. Uh, lots to get to today. Uh, we got to kick it off with Durham for sure, as we guys for sure is going to be the, the thing going every day while that's going on. Um, we did find confirmation uh, that search warrants were served at an Arizona non-for-profit. We're going to start off the show with that story there and uh, so forth. So we got lots to get to today, and we'll check in with uh, Telegram today also and see if there's anything breaking out there today. Um, Majority Taylor Green is out there uh, trying to get reelected today, so God bless her, and hopefully God's watching over her. Two, two hours till polls close in Georgia, so we'll get some information information coming in tonight on elections, and we'll see what happens in Georgia. We're going to talk about uh, some of that stuff in the second half of the show here today, so stand by for that for sure. All right, let's hop to it. Uh, thanks for being here today, guys, and let's go straight to what the breaking news was Um I, I was I had to do a little bit of digging to find more information to see what I could find uh, with regards to this raid in Arizona. Obviously, to me, probably should be the top story of the day along with Durham. So let's hop to it. Search warrants served at an Arizona nonprofit and four uh, employees uh, home in connection with 2000 mules ballot trafficking election scandal. Uh, that's the headline as it reads. Let me. um. I cannot see this, and it won't make it bigger. 
Bigger, bigger, bigger. Thank you. Okay. This was posted on Freedom Rock Radio, and uh, I saw it in Gateway Pundit, but this has some interesting stuff. And the Gateway Pundit confirmed today that search warrants were served to an employee at a Yuma County nonprofit organization connected to an illegal ballot trafficking scheme discovered by Yuma County citizens and revealed in True the Votes 2000 Mules documentary. Speaking of, by the way, Look what came in the mail today. <laughs> My copy of 2,000 Mules. I'm going to watch it tonight. And then uh, you guys, if you want, let me know. We'll, I'll do a show um, and we'll play. Oh, I can't. My my drive is messed up. So scratch that. Uh, but nonetheless, I'll give you guys a report on it tomorrow. True the Vote and Dinesh D'Souza's groundbreaking new film revealed that the 2020 presidential election was stolen through illegal ballot trafficking by nonprofit organizations and featured the undercover investigative work of David Lara and Arizona State Senate candidate Gary Snyder. Uh, Catherine Engelbright and Greg Phillips investigated the ballot trafficking incidents in Yuma County, Arizona, in Yuma, Arizona, and included this information in the film 2000 Mules. The Gateway Pundit reported that law enforcement conducted a raid on a nonprofit organization in San Luis, Arizona last week in response to this new evidence. The nonprofit itself was not raided. However, Tony Reyes, the executive director of Commit de Bien a Star, Confirmed to the Gateway Pundit that Commit de Bien Estar's membership coordinator, Gloria Torres, received search warrants at the nonprofit office, and the law enforcement is looking for evidence of voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Quote, that 2000 Mule documentary is starting to permeate all throughout this process, said Reyes. He confirmed that officers showed up to the office, confiscated her phone, and basically went to her house. Uh, Reyes says the search warrant was for one of our employees. They came and served it here, took her phone and searched her home. As far as I know, we haven't gotten a search warrant from anybody yet. Commit de bien, a, uh, a star has not received a search warrant yet. Gloria Torres is the current San Luis city council member in Gadsden elementary school district board member who faced a recall effort last year stemming from her political ties to Gatson Elementary School board member Guillermo Fuentes. The Gateway Pundit previously reported that Fuentes, who serves at, serves on the San Luis School District Board, was indicted with a class four felonies of forgery and conspiracy and ballot abuse in the 2020 elections. Torres is still listed as the membership coordinator for Commit de Bien a Star, a 501c3 nonprofit in San Luis. The Yuma Sun reported that Gloria Torres was appointed to the Saint San Luis City Council to replace her son, Rafael Torres, in 2011. Rafael Torres was previously indicted for felony theft. He pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor count of obstruction of government operations after it was revealed that he waited seven months to return money advanced by the city. It turns out that Gloria Torres also faced recall efforts by voters twice before. She was first elected to city council in 2000 and ousted in 2001 as a number of recall efforts that have been launched against various mayors and council members over the past decade. In 2003, she was named to a vacant uh, city council seat only to be ousted in another recall election the following year. Quote, in two terms I, that I have been on the council, I have gone through a recall. I have always said I have the desire to return to finish a term serving as a community that I have done in a school board and a member of blah, 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 blah. It's unclear what law enforcement agency conducted the raid, but San Luis police and Yuma County Sheriff's Office have denied involvement. Sources tell the Gateway Pundit that a group from Phoenix with Attorney General's office executed the warrants. And that is that is all they have on that. The uh, the the group called Commit de Bien a Star has a board of directors of a who's who of La Raza. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. Pretty much. That's. I mean, that's honestly what it is. Um, 
It is a it is definitely a radical left organization that helps illegal immigrants uh, come into America. It has mission statement of uh, housing resource center, border financial resources, property management, uh, fam- multifamily apartments. So yeah, they're they're completely tied in with the open borders agenda, and the same group that uh, works hand in glove with the government to traffic humans across the border. And there you go. So it's uh, very interesting that this is the group that uh, is is tied in with this. And, and, you know, that's the story so far. That's all there is so far that's out there on that. We'll keep an eye on it and anything else that any other indictments that that uh, happens out there as well. So there you go. Uh, Bale says, just when you think we're making a difference, showing what the green stands for, we now get greens running the show. I don't get it. I don't understand it, Bales. It probably is voting fraud as well on your end because they are wanting to seize power no matter any way they can. Glenn, thank you for the gold pills. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks very much. Uh, P. Thaggy's in the house as well as Keep True Nonprofit. What a scam. Easy to claim nonprofit when you give all the money to corporations, super paydays. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's all, it's all a big money laundering scheme. We all know that Ozark's freedom girl. Good to see you out there. Hope all is well. Thanks for joining us here today. I see, uh, the crowd working their way in there. So that's what I have so far on that. We'll keep an eye on this, um, on the search warrants, uh, served at an Arizona nonprofit here. And, uh, well, anything else that comes out uh, on that, we'll make sure we, uh, let you guys know everyone over there on Twitch. Thanks for being here today, guys. New followers, storm Rider and Nancy J and Rose among thorns. Thanks for being here today, guys. Much love. Hope all is well. Brian's in the house. Z Patriots hanging out as well. Prayers for the students in Texas. Indeed. Uh, there was a, um, a shooting where it looks like 14 ch- people have been killed, including children in a, uh, shooting incident in uh, Texas today. So yeah, what happens when bad news for them is about to break? It's uh, another terrible day another school shooting. So prayers up to all the families involved and all those uh, that have uh, been affected by that. Hank Hoball as well. Seen 2000 Mules three times before. I went to the theater and watched it on Friday, bought the DVD as well. Nice. Yeah. I just waited for the DVD. I figured, um, I, you know, for me, I'd rather just watch it here in, in my house where I don't have anybody disturbing me. Oh yeah. By the way, here, check this stuff out. I forgot to show you this stuff. Um, my wife got this. I took the red pill. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. The stuff I'm thinking I'm just going to leave up here. My daughter got me this. <laughs> that, I think, is going on the back of my truck. <laughs> Vaccinate this. So there you go. <clears throat> All right. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that, um, on the search warrants. Any more information uh, comes out on that front, I'll let you guys know. How long before the gun control people start rumbling their mouths? Pretty quick. Probably by the end of the night. Uh, so yeah, there's that. All right. We're, um, going to allow the, it bleeds, it leads crowd to cover the school shooting. I'm going to stay focused on what's important. Technofog has a new article that dropped yesterday. Um, of course we're, I'm going to read those every single day that he drops those and it'll give us some, some perspective about, uh, what we, what we read yesterday, uh, about the, the, from the Twitter threads. And then also we'll go through and find Twitter threads and true social threads, uh, with people that are dropping information about the trial out there as well. And then again, tomorrow we'll recap today's events and see if we missed anything. Check out for articles from uh, uh, Maggie Haber, Maggie Haberman <laughs> from great writers. And then we'll bring that to you guys. So um, yeah, it's updated to 14 dead now. Gotcha. 
Yeah, that it has been verified. There's 14 dead, including children. It didn't say how many children. Uh, I would guess at, at least a couple. Um, and I saw the information about who it's who uh, shot them, and it's 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 just exactly what you would expect. Another radical leftist. So there you go. Zero o'clock, love and focus, and happy to hear the techno fog has been, been wanting to get read that. Yep, let's go. We're going to hop to it right now. I agree with you. It's very important stuff, and the Durham trial is the most important thing out there today, along with that that first uh, in, um, search warrants issued. You know they're not going to find anything. That's the problem. All right, Sussman trial. Fingers pointing at the FBI leadership, as we discussed yesterday live. Uh, we'll check this out from techno fog, and we'll see what's going on here. Here we go. It was a long day of travel, but we're back at it on the Sussman trial. This morning started with a testimony from Bill Priestep, who was in who was in September 2016, was FBI's assistant director of counterintelligence. His testimony was expected even before the witness lists were put put out. Back in January, we observed that Priestep had testified before a grand jury. In fact, Priestep himself stated today that he testified before a grand jury in June of 2021. Interesting. No leaks on those investigations either. A little bit of background on Priestep before we begin. Priestep approved the opening of the Crossfire Hurricane and decided against defensive briefings being provided to the Trump campaign. He was Peter Strzok's supervisor and also approved the use of all the confidential human sources used against the Trump campaign. Stefan Helper at L. Last week, the former FBI general counsel James Baker testified that he spoke with Priestep about his meeting with Sussman and repeated to, to Mr. Priestep that Michael had said that he was not there on behalf of a particular client, that he was there as a citizen, as a, essentially a human source of information, confidential source, end quote. At trial today, Priestep was presented with notes he took after that meeting with Baker. Those notes reflected that conversation with Baker, stating Sussman, quote, said, not doing this for any client, unquote. Priestep also said that the Alpha Bank Trump Organization investigation ultimately fell under his control. Getting to the issue of materiality, Priestep was then asked about the motivations of the source sources matter to the FBI. Question, based on your experience, if Mr. Sussman had brought these allegations to the FBI on behalf of the Hillary Clinton campaign, would that have mattered to the FBI? Pre-step, again, the somebody, anybody bringing information to the FBI, we're interested. The FBI is interested in knowing the motivation of the person providing the information. On cross-examination, Pre-step admitted he couldn't recall the meeting with Baker or why he wrote in his notes that Sussman wasn't there on behalf of a client. After approximately six years, his memory was was fuzzy. Question, do you remember anything about why you wrote that down? Precept, I do not. Question, you don't remember anything about the context in which that was said to you? Precept, I do not. To summarize, the defense theory of this case is that Sussman was there to help the FBI and that he supposedly acted against his client's interest by stopping a New York Times article on the Alpha Bank allegations from being published. On that topic, Priestep discussed how the FBI might ask a newspaper not to run a story. Question, as a, as a general matter, if the FBI knew that a newspaper story was coming out about a threat from a nation state, are there ever occasions in which you would, at the FBI, want to ask a newspaper to hold off on running that story? Priestep, answer, yes. Okay, 
And that's because there are situations in which the FBI would want to have the chance to investigate before a story came out, right? Pre-step, yes. If the FBI thought, let's just say, that publicly revealing a certain matter could potentially negatively impact not just things the FBI was doing, but potentially negatively impact the country, we'd want to have a conversation about it. Then there's this blockbuster of a comment. Counsel for Sussman presented Prestep with messages from the FBI's internal messaging system, in which Prestep discussed how the FBI's leadership, Comey McCabe et al., were excited about pursuing the Alpha Bank Trump allegations. Question, okay, so this link is a chain between Joseph Pienka, who you mentioned a moment ago was at the Washington field office, field agent, and Curtis Hyde, the Chicago agent you mentioned. And, and this says, quote, people on the seventh floor to include director are fired up about this server. Now, sitting here, do you remember? Well, presumably you've not seen this before. I uh, know <laughs> that is very interesting. The, the influence that FBI leadership Comey and McCabe had on the investigations related to the Trump uh, Russia accusations is notable, but not an exception. This is the first time we heard that Alpha Bank hoax was pushed by FBI leadership. However, th this fits their broader pattern. Recall the statement of FBI agent William Barnett. He was part of the FBI's investigation of General Flynn and decided it should be closed down. The FBI's senior officials who ran the investigation from the top down called the shots. This is there was another. This is from the testimony here. And it says this, the Department of Justice and FBI headquarters were having meetings concerning the Razor investigation, which neither Barnett nor any other line agents were invited to attend. The Razor investigation was top down, meaning direction concerning the investigation was coming from senior officials. The FBI was reacting to articles about being reported in the news, but uh, notably an article written by Ignatius concerning redacted involving Flynn to a Russian ambassador. After the article by Ignatius, the investigative tempo increased with the issuance of baseline NSLs and, and the aforementioned interview of Flynn. <clears throat> We're going to get more to Flynn here in just a moment from an article of Uncovered DC, but let's keep on with this for now. Testimony from an FBI agent, Ryan Gaynor. Um, <clears throat> back in 2016, Agent Gaynor was the FBI's counterintelligence division's unit chief in Washington, D.C. He learned of the Alpha Bank allegations on September 23, 2016, during a briefing led by the FBI's Chicago field office. Agent Gaynor reported to Supervisory Agent Joseph Bianca, who, along with Strzok, interviewed General Flynn and volunteered to help work on the case. Of course they did. This is how he described some of the steps the FBI took in its Alpha Bank allegations <clears throat> investigation. Excuse me. Question, what was the status of the FBI's investigative efforts at the time you met with Mr. Maffa? In other words, what had FBI Chicago done? Quite answer, so at that point, the FBI had initiated an investigation through the Chicago field office. The initial allegation had been reviewed by our ECOL, which is the European Cyber Operations Unit. Huh. And they had produced an analysis of our findings related to the allegation. And the field office had also reached out to the first company, Central Dynamics, to initiate an effort to gather logs and additional logs. I believe they also potentially collected initial logs related to a spam filter system in place by Barracuda for the company. As to the accuracy of the information and accusations provided by Sussman, one investigative agent found it to be bullshit. <clears throat> Stand by. 
Additionally, again, then this is uh, from the transcripts. The special agent in Chicago, Allison Sands, conducted a review of the data herself and made determinations related to the allegation that the Tor node that was mentioned within the allegation did not pass analytical muster. It didn't have merit. Later, she would make other analysis, including that central dynamics logs themselves did not show a covert communication system. Later, she would make other analysis, including that central dynamics logs themselves did not show a covert communication system. We also initiated a liaison contact with Mandiant, and through that liaison contact, we determined that they had independently come to the conclusion that the allegation lacked merit as well. In fact, the Chicago office office itself was curious about the source of Sussman's data. Agent Curtis Hyde emailed. Now, I've heard um, uh, Cash call this guy a lying piece of shit. He's a, he's a paid liar. So keep in mind, this Curtis Hyde guy, uh, Cash is saying, keep, watch out for this guy's uh, mouth running. And then the, the transcript says this. Now, moving to the second sentence of Mr. Hyde's email, it says, we really want to interview the source of all this information. Any way we can track down who this guy is and how we're getting this information. Um, Their supervisor in Chicago agreed. Okay, I agree with Curtis. An interview with the source of info would be a logical step in this as well as any investigation. It may allow us to understand the what and why of the white paper. Whether or not the Chicago team would have access to the source of the Alpha Bank data was discussed, but not approved by FBI headquarters. Question, okay, so what is it that you say in response to Mr. Wizardbicki and Mr. Hyde's emails? Answer, got it and being discussed at headquarters. Before we make any decisions on that front, we will need to know what we can learn from the logs we now have obtained regarding the nature of the actual activity between Alpha Bank and the domain slash server. Then there's the issue of another confidential human source. The Chicago field office was informed that Alpha Bank allegations had been provided to various media outlets. This source was not Sussman. Answer. So the FBI, through our Chicago field office, received confidential human source reporting that indicated that the confidential human source believed that the allegation had merit and that this particular story allegation had been provided to media outlets question. So the source told the FBI that this allegation had been given to media outlets answer. They did question. And this was the confidential human. This confidential human source to your knowledge was not Mr. Sussman. Is that correct? Answer to the best of my knowledge. It was not Mr. Sussman. This confidential human source was evaluated by the Chicago field office, and they thought the the confidential human source was wrong. They had several reasons for that assessment, including the fact that the source made several technical assertions that didn't pass any analytical merit. In other words, the other source, whom we suspect to be Rodney Joffe, lied. This would be why he was terminated as a confidential human source. There is also the possibility that this confidential human source is in the media as observed by the talented Fool Nelson. It talks about, let's see, Fool Nelson says, Trifoletti's confidential human source appears to have been in contact with the Trump Organization and Hope Hicks. Let me pull this up from Fool Nelson because he is very talented. Uh, This is a, let's see, let me just read what this says. What kind of responses are you getting from the Trump Organization representatives? No technical answers are being given, only denying any Trump involvement. 
Who have you discussed this with the Trump organization? The two calls have been arranged by Trump's media coordinator, Hope Hicks. The participants on the calls are director of IT and for Trump's organization and the web development manager. What they have said on the calls so far on call yesterday, they seemed to accidentally confirm the DNS traffic occurred, but then would not share any data. As of today, they are denying it and are not providing any answers. So this is... Um, I don't know exactly what's that, what that's from. I'm just reading what it is. Adam Goldman from the New York Times. Chris Trifoletti, an agent in Springfield, Illinois, emailed with the info with, about a confidential human source. Sands decided not to interview Dagon for a reason she can't remember exactly. So this is testimony from uh, yesterday is what that is from. So lots of pieces and puzzles. Uh, being pulled together here. Let's keep moving on. Uh, Technofogs <clears throat> breakdown. During the break, there was a discussion of a sealed filing regarding Agent Gaynor's status. It turned out he's in, he, he is being investigated by the FBI, not the special counsel. More on that and more on Monday's testimony when the afternoon transcript rolls in. So there you go. Um, that's from Technofog from yesterday. So let me see. Let me make sure that he hasn't updated this article yet, and then we'll move on to what's going on today. That's it. All right. Um, we have this from – oh, that's just a, a, a picture of Durham that just randomly pops into my screen. That's cool. All right. Uh, True Social and Twitter have a couple of threads out there that I want to read on this to see what's going on today. Uh, Adam Cardner and Tracy Beans have an article out in Uncovered DC today that I want to read as well. Flynn Fiza Pienka resurfaces. Uh, an interesting ties into General Flynn. And so I want to get to all of that. But first, let me just uh, keep moving here and see how you guys are doing out there. Everything doing okay. Uh, yes, I did hear about the, the happenings in Texas. Uh, thank you for that, Denise. Um, we're going to keep staying focused on Durham today. Government exhibits to let's see. All right. Now, this is uh, Wonder Woman Q. <laughs> uh, Super Anon. Extraordinaire herself. Um, she is <laughs> day seven, no coffee yet. <laughs> All right. Um, so here we go. Getting ready for the Sussman trial day six in the media room now. Um, and several people hi uh, highlighting... Um, Wonder Woman, WQ Wonder Woman, and the Wonder Woman Q. Jeez. The O's are Q's. All right, I'm moving forward. <laughs> talk today thread the united states of america versus sussman day seven may 24th the government calls trisha anderson to the stand she worked as De deputy assistant attorney general at the doj at the fbi she reported to james baker uh, she works as a deputy assistant attorney general now really and she used to be in the FBI as a deputy. Um, she reported to James Baker as deputy general counsel specializing in national security and cyber. Miss Anderson does not have much recollection of the meetings she was taking notes on. Government exhibits 2A introduced and 242. 2A is pages from Miss Anderson's notebook, and 242 is an electronic copy of these notes. Anderson says that she received the information in the notes from James Baker. Anderson says that she has no reason to doubt that these notes are accurate. 
On September 19, 2016, Ms. Anderson wrote about the Trump-Russia bank allegations. Government Exhibit 288 is another page of Anderson's notes. Anderson is not asked to read the contents of these notes. Sean Berkowitz of the prosecution goes to question Ms. Anderson, saying, so you're here to answer questions about a bunch of notes that have you have zero recollection of writing. Ms. Anderson, yes. Ms. Anderson claims she may have known Mr. Sussman was representing the DNC, but does not remember that now. Berkowitz is asked if she recalls calls receiving emails about the DNC and CrowdStrike in June of 2016. CrowdStrike is run by Sean Henry. (laughs) Anderson knows that he was a former executive uh, FBI employee. Uh, Anderson was working at the DOJ when she had these initial interactions with Sean Henry. CrowdStrike introduced today. That's rather interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we, I can't help myself because as soon as I see a new term entered into the trial, I have to uh, remind people <laughs> that I can't type, number one, that's for sure, because <laughs> I can't see. There are 12 uh, Q posts that pop up with regards to the crowd strike. Let's just read the first one for right now. The first post that comes up is 1 of 22, December 22nd, 2017, Q post 436, 1 of 22, DNC breach slash dossier. Here's how the here's how it happened. DNC, Seth Rich, WikiLeaks, Hussein, DNI director, clown director, class one through twelve, Google, CrowdStrike, DNC, Seth Rich 187, MS 132, also 187, Debbie Wasserman Schultz to the, the director, FBI and DOJ assisted, insurance policy, the three letters of the cabal. Two of them have we think two of them have fallen. At least one has for sure. Hussein, Hillary Rodham Clinton, Loretta Lynch, James Comey, Andy McCabe, Peter Strzok, support CrowdStrike, uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Adam Schiff, class one through four, class one through six, British intelligence, Hillary Rodham Clinton camp paid for it, DNC paid for it, class one through four paid for it, Steele, Podesta, Holder Relay specific to Russia, Class 1-9, Senator No Name McCain, Senator Class 1, Senator Class 2. Those two are were involved in the Gang of Eight and we believe are no longer in D.C. James Comey, Loretta Lynch, Hussein, FISA 2, Presidential Daily Briefings to U.S. Senator No Name, News Shop to BuzzFeed, Public Narrative, Stage Set, set Future Prevent, Removal Op. Stage set future prevent removal op ramp ramifications. U.S. intelligence legally spied on a presidential candidate, president elect, Republicans in Congress, Republicans in the Senate, news friendly, etc. Q. That's why this investigation is so huge and because of how big it goes. All right, CrowdStrike in the in the mix today. On June uh, 2016, Anderson received an email regarding Sussman acting as counsel for DNC. Anderson says that years later, um, says that years later, since once you leave the FBI, you cannot take documents with you. She was not in possession of those notes from September 9th. 19th, 2016, until she was presented with these notes again by the government. Anderson confirms it was uncommon for anyone to bring evidence to herself or Mr. Baker. Uh, Sean Berkowitz of the prosecution goes to question Miss Anderson and says, so you're here to answer questions about a bunch of notes that you have zero recollection of writing. Yes, Miss Anderson uh, claims she may have known Mr. Sussman was representing the DNC. Okay, we got that part. All right, uh, let's see. What else do we have here? 
a new witness is called to the stand. Curtis Hyde, again, uh, Cash saw Cash uh, slamming this guy as a paid liar, was the lead FBI agent in the Chicago field office in 2016 and oversaw Miss Sands on the project, who we previously saw testify, among others. Hyde says that, or Hyde says that the government exhibit regarding a write-up on the allegations from September 19th 2016 was erroneously written because they had conflated the DOJ and the general counsel. (laughs) Interesting. Government exhibits show the white papers contained on the thumb drives, which reads the Trump org is using a unusually configured server based out of Pennsylvania and spectrum health to communicate with Moscow. Unquote. Hyde says that the allegations were not in line with the nature with which nefarious cyber activities would be conducted, especially if by Russians, um, FBI agents, including Hyde, determined that there was no intrusions through this data. Hyde believed that the servers were false and not related to the Trump organizations. In in IMs that Hyde exchanged with Joe Pienka, Joe jokingly referred uh, referenced crayons to mock his own cyber capabilities. Um, Hyde says their their analysis could not substantiate anything in the white papers. The FBI agents, including Hyde, determined there was no intrusions. Um, Let's see. Hyde sent an IM to Pienka because he wanted to interview the source of the white paper. The defense shows an email dated October 3rd, 2016 from Hyde to Gaynor and Sands, CCing Pienka, Jonathan Maffa, and Daniel Wizerbicki, who was Hyde's supervisor in the Chicago field office. Quote, we got the logs from Miami and we'll look through them for the IPs. This was a reference uh, to another anonymous source with more allegations about the Alpha Bank. This information was originally given to Tom Grasso, who had worked in Hyde's cyber division at the time in Chantilly. Uh, Hyde did not know Tom Grasso personally. I'm going to skip past Hyde's stuff because as I hear from from Cash, this is this is sounding like everything this guy says uh, <laughs> um, is... is uh, trying to spin narratives and I don't, I'm not really interested in spending an hour on, on, on every little nugget from this guy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so let's see here. Um, during Berkowitz's examination of Hyde, I am from Joseph Pienka to Curtis Hyde are shown. Pienka said in his, I am that people on the seventh floor were fired up about these servers. It's important to note that Pienka was leading the crossfire hurricane invasion at this time. And interesting. Um, he believed the investigation to be bunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On October 3rd, 2016, Tom Grassle sends an email to Daniel Wizerbicki with the subject line, Anonymous Reporting on DNS Data. According to the email, Grassle says there was a source not disclosed, and this anonymous source was connected to Alpha Bank. Hyde says his team did not ask Grassle who the source was because headquarters kept telling the agents that this person was anonymous. Berkowitz is asking, would it surprise Hyde to know that this anonymous source was the same source from September of 2016? Hyde reiterated that the agents were told interviewing this source was not an option. So Hyde is uh, telling him, telling you know, is testifying that the seventh floor is is uh, telling them who the, that the anonymous source, so forth, so on, and the rest. Defense attorney Sean Berkowitz appears to be talking in circles. Your prayer for Durham is working, indeed. All right, you're. Um, let me keep moving here on this. The judge is addressing the government's uh, desire to raise materiality argument. 
with Rodney Joffe's emails. Let's see. That's three hours ago. Hyde is back on the stand. The prosecution is asking Hyde to remind the jury of the distinction of tool sets between a full investigation and a preliminary investigation. Berkowitz mentioned some of the tools you can use, including search warrants and FISA wiretaps. In order to obtain a search warrant, you need to prove that there's probable cause, so forth and so on. Let's go check in with um, uh, John Hawley, who we read yesterday as well. That's pretty much uh, everything that, that she's got out there today as of three hours ago. Uh, so let's see what uh, John Hawley has uh, out there for us today. Reporters are in the media room at the U.S. District Courthouse in D.C. as of eight hours ago, 50 minutes after it was supposed to open. So off to a slow, drizzly Tuesday afternoon on day seven of the Clinton trial, Clinton attorney trial, uh, Sussman trial. DOJ Deputy Attorney General uh, Tricia Anderson takes the stand, as we have been discussing Um Prosecutor Britton Shaw ends her examination of Anderson in less than 10 minutes. Like FBI agent Bill Priestup on Monday, she doesn't recall the specifics and is testifying on the notes taken during the meetings. She cannot recall uh, as we covered that. Um, let's see. We got through the Hyde stuff here. The effort for a full investigation. Okay. Hyde was at least the seventh witness who was or still is employed by the FBI to testify in the case and only Two cyber analysts seem to remember much unless reading from notes. Uh-huh. It's funny how that works. I don't really remember. It's been so long. It's been like such a long time ago now. Jeez. Uh, lead defense attorney Sean Berkowitz is cross-examining Hyde, who is a subject of the DOJ probe for allegedly withholding exculpatory information in the FISA court proceedings related to Crossfire Hurricane. Interesting. So Hyde is is under is a subject of a DOJ probe. Interesting. That is interesting. Berkowitz, that is a serious allegation that you intentionally withheld information that you could help prove an individual's innocence. A serious allegation. You have denied it. Hyde, the case is still pending. Before proceedings began Monday, Cooper and attorneys discussed upcoming testimony from a witness engaged in a unadjudicated matter. Berkowitz expressed concern that the witness could be testifying to curry favor with the government. Uh, Berkowitz asked Hyde about how many times he's met with prosecutors to iron out testimony. Quote, a handful, Hyde said. Five times, that's a handful, Berkowitz said, including three times in May with the last session on May 19th, quote, last Thursday after court. <laughs> so he's he is in active criminal proceedings with the DOJ right now. Wow. Court has recessed for lunch with Hyde set to return to the stand and Berkowitz continuing the cross-examination at 145. A lot of nodding heads, heavy eyelids as Hyde is grilled about the email and that NTE dates bouncing across several years. Four hours ago from John Hawley. Investigation's origin after FBI cyber ex- experts dismissed allegations within a day remains opaque with FBI counterintelligence agent Curtis Hyde saying it was mislabeled a DOJ probe because of a typo, perhaps attributable to conflating DOJ and FBI's Office of General Counsel. <laughs> uh, we're, we're just stupid and incompetent, really. Uh, that's, that's, my, that's, my, uh, that's what I'm going to say, and I'm sticking to it. Hyde said the first time he was aware there have been uh, a typo in the paperwork, uh, mislabeling it as a DOJ investigation was in October of 2018 while being interviewed in the Office of Inspector General Probe into Crossfire Hurricane. Quote, is it your testimony sitting here today that both the opening of the case and the closing of the case had a typo? Berkowitz asked, noting that it indicated not a lot of not of a, a lot of attention to detail. Hyde, there were some mistakes. Yes, mistakes, my ass. 
Three hours ago, Judge Cooper has denied prosecution's request to introduce emails between Georgia Tech cyber expert David Dagon and others after Berkowitz asked Hyde if he's followed up on agent Tom Grassel's offer to provide Dagon with a private sector subject expert. Um, prosecution maintained Berkowitz questioning of Hyde opened the door to materiality for those emails to be introduced. Cooper disagreed. Mr. Berkowitz confined his questions to demonstrate the FBI could have interviewed Mr. Dagon, but chose not to. Interesting. Cooper said the email notes, this is as of three hours ago also, Cooper said the email uh, relates more to Joffe's views, motivations, and said when Hyde returns to the stand for redirect, the prosecution can ask what he would have asked in an interview with Master, Mr. Dagon. We, we are not going to get into Mr. Dagon's views and motivations. Interesting. All right. Redirect of Hyde goes into mind-numbing detail about how the FBI agents email each other and use an internal chat link system to communicate with who and what and when. When asked what he would have... uh, Okay, so here's the question. When asked uh, uh, what he would have asked Dagon had FBI investigators chosen to ask Dagon questions even after the alleged white paper author was offered as a private sector subject expert, unquote, they'd be they'd ask about his motivations, Hyde said. Well, yes, he would have. Now on the stand is Jared Novick, CEO of Bitvoyant, a, a cyber threat analysis company which he says does proactive assessments of private sector companies to assess vulnerabilities. Novik spends months long minutes, um, spends months long minutes explaining his company's relationships with other companies, including packet forensics. The bottom line is Joffe said, said on the board and tasked Bitvoyant to look into the Trump organization DNS data in the summer of 2016. That is Joffe sat on the board in August of 2016, Joffe tasked me and tasked me, and I received a PDR document. And in that document, there was a handful, five, seven names of individuals, their spouses, their personal emails, addresses. It was very personal, dot, dot, dot. The PDF included names of Russian companies, Russians affiliations, some names that seemed foreign to me, and some names I recognized in the news. So I immediately, I knew it to be a political request, Novak said. First name, Carter Page. It was extremely uncommon. This was a group, a group of individuals. The whole thing felt to me like opposition research, Novik said. It made me very uncomfortable. Novik immediately contacted Victor Oppelman, a friend also on the Bitvoyant board, and engaged with Jaffe in other companies, included, including Littoral Ventures, uh, which provided the PDF. Quote, he was uncomfortable, but they reluctantly moved forward with tasking. Novik assigned three analysts to follow through with the tasking. They named the project Crimson Rhino because it's the last thing I wanted was Donald Trump's name on it on the company tasking board for all to see. Joffe asked to cage a large net. The PDF had 90 days of DNS data, quote, so the first thing is to look at the past 90-day history to go deep and deeply as possible, go wide, not look through a solo straw, but look at everywhere for the things related to alpha, unquote. 
Uh, during cross-examination, Berkowitz said Novick has told investigators that he did not get along with Joffe, who was pressuring him to better his performance in leading Bitvoyant. On September 12, 2021, he told investigators there was a bit of friction between them. Novick said he didn't recall saying that. Quote, you are asking me about a word I cannot tell you if, if I used that word. I had a difficult relationship with Rodney, he said. On redirect, prosecutor Jonathan Algor asked Novick what he was told would happen to the information they compiled. He said it was to go to an attorney, unquote. Cooper has called it a day. Prosecution closes as of an hour ago. Uh, the case Wednesday with Durham paralegal Corey Arsenal serving as a summary witness. Uh, Al Gore said testimony will be a demonstration of 100 exhibits one after another that was greeted by a, a gasp as as a Berkowitz objection upon hearing of the prosecution's plan to parade a hundred uh, exhibits through his courtroom. Cooper said he was somewhat frustrated. They didn't address this earlier. Both sets of attorneys agreed to work tonight on trimming them back. Uh, when the defense makes this its case uh, beginning Thursday morning, at least Berkowitz said he will call former New York times writer, Eric Lightblaw, FBI agent, Tom Grasso, Tasha Gahar is going to be called and well as some character witnesses. If all goes well, that leaves Friday for both sides to make a one to one and a half hour closing arguments so that Cooper can leave by 2 p.m. for a prior commitment, otherwise known as the three day Memorial weekend. And that is the coverage from John Hawley today. Uh, So they get to. Uh, Hyde, the biggest thing I think from today is, is is interesting that Hyde is under investigation right now and testifying right now in another investigation. That's probably the most important thing that I see out there today. Let's check in with uh, Toria Brooke and the last few things that she has out there uh, today. Let me just refresh this and see what the most recent things uh, she has, if she has anything addition to this as well. Um Let's see. FBI agent Hyde said the agents had a gut feeling for the anonymous. Okay, so in the email, Hyde uses. Okay, so he she pretty much finishes up with Hyde as well, and that's pretty much everything that's out there today on that front. Let me uh, check in with you guys here in the chat real quick, and then we'll get to the Flynn article uh, pretty quick here. So thanks for being here today, guys. I just I see a lot of you guys out there today. And I want to say hello to you all. Let's see here. Bales, Glenn, and Nancy Lucky. Thank you. God bless you as well, Nancy. Thank you for the for the uh, gold pills there. I appreciate that very much. Uh, let's see. Leah's out there hanging out as well as Liberty Bells. Good to see you guys out there today. Much love. Glenn is in the house. Good to see you, Glenn. Hope all is well. Uh, Trick Pony and uh, Denise across the pond is over there hanging out as well. Keep true. And everyone out there on the foxhole.app. Thanks for being here today, guys. Much love to you all. I appreciate you guys joining us today as you guys are every day. All the lurkers out there on true social or on tiger network and telegram. Thanks for being here today, guys. Much love. The rumble crowd is in the house today. Thanks guys for all of you guys being out there today. Beachside prayers for Donna Brandenburg in the state of Michigan. Indeed. We're going to cover that in just a moment here. I hear there's some fuckery going on over there in Michigan. Prayers up for Donna Brandenburg. Indeed. Thanks for being here. Beachside. And as well as Joe Patriot, I guess it was an 18-year-old kid again. Indeed, they have definitely destroyed our kids. But it's more than that, as you know. There's lots more to it than meets the eye. Dr. J. Blazer is out there gifting subs out like a maniac again. God bless you. Thank you very much, Dr. J. Blazer. I appreciate that very much. Congratulations to Patriot Lady and Zero Clock on your new subs. Thanks for being here today, guys. Deplora Laura, as well as Z Patriot, is out there hanging out as well. Much love. (laughs) <laughs> yes, the grenade has been taken care of. Good to see you. Who cares? News out there hanging out as well. 
Uh, Johnny B's in the house. Johnny B, we're going to talk about uh, Pence in the second half here today, so stand by for that. I appreciate your comment, though, and thanks for being here today. I appreciate it. All right, the Flynn article. Tam Growl, chat bar's not working. Gotcha, gotcha. Thanks for being here today. All right, um, this article from Adam Carter and Tracy Beans today, I want to read this quickly here because then we can move the second half. Whoops, that's not what I wanted to do. Do that. All right, let's check it out. Pfizer Flynn, Pianka resurfaces uh, from Uncover DC today. Let's check this out. It's first reported by Tracy Beans of Uncover DC and Adam Carter of the Washington Pundit. Some stunning details were included in the Lieutenant General Michael T. Flynn retirement, retired, uh, recent complaint with the White House Office of Management and Budget seeking $50 million for unjustifiable, outrageous, and malicious prosecution. The section here. That is highlighted says this overall, the harm to Flynn has been and is immense as a result of this unjustifiable, outrageous and malicious prosecution of Flynn and the abuse of the process engaged in to carry it out by FBI agents, FBI leadership, Justice Department prosecutors and the highest ranking EOP officials in the Obama administration, including President Obama and then Vice President Biden themselves. The complaint filing is an administrative requirement that must be completed before a lawsuit can be brought by a former White House employee stemming from General Flynn's service as President Trump's first national security advisor in 2017. Seeing uh, as this complaint is filed with an office of Biden, hey, why don't we try using the Logan Act? White House is a likely a dead on arrival and a formality foreshadowing an impending lawsuit General Flynn intends to file in the near future. Attached to the OMB complaint was a summary of allegations of the political targeting and the weaponization of the power of the United States federal government by the DOJ, FBI, Obama administration officials, some held over into the Trump administration up to and including President Barack Obama and then then Vice President Joe Biden themselves to get Flynn at all costs. A detail that seemed to escape the notice of many was the revelations that the FBI had obtained surveillance warrants from the foreign FISA court or Fisk court in order to spy on General Flynn's electronic communications as part of the now discredited Trump-Russia collusion investigation. Highlighted here. Further, the SCO and FBI lied to the FISA court, uh, proceeded with an investigation into Flynn's supposed Russia ties when they knew he had none. The day after the news broke, Tracy Beans discussed the impact of the FISA warrants on the Dark Delight podcast with Michael Opelka. The ramifications for General Flynn are apparent. During the time the FISA warrants were issued, as well um, as well retroactively uh, back six months, the FBI would have unfettered access to any of General Flynn's electronic communications without his knowledge or need to notify him after the fact. Independent journalist Harold Finch pointed out that due to the FISA's three-hop rule, the FBI would also have free reign to surveil the electronic communications of anyone General Flynn messaged and anybody those people messaged. This potentially including all members of the Trump campaign and transition team, including President Trump himself. Additionally, Flynn family members, business associates, government contacts, advisors, even journalists and their sources who General Flynn may have interacted with. And many others could potentially be surveilled due to the FISA three hop rule. Another revelation in the, in the filing should raise the antennas of those who have followed Spygate closely 
closely, the OMB complaint specifically accuses FBI Special Agent Joseph Pienka of having made multiple false statements to the Fisk Court in order to secure surveillance warrants. For those unaware, Joe Pienka was the other FBI agent in the room besides Peter Strzok during the infamous January 24th, 2017 meeting with General Flynn at the White House. This meeting was the basis for the charges of making false statements to federal investigators brought by the Mueller Special Counsel's Office as part of the Russia collusion hoax. Highlighted here in pursuing Crossfire Hurricane and Crossfire Razor investigations related to Flynn, FBI agents, including Pienka, made multiple false statements to Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court in order to secure the warrants. We did cover this last week, but this is worth spending the extra time on it today. Pienka was also the FBI agent who was inserted into the August 17th, 2016 National Security Briefing of then-candidate Donald Trump. Pienka was to observe General Flynn, who was also in attendance as a campaign advisor as part of Crossfire Razor investigation. Crossfire Razor was the codename given by the FBI investigation into General Flynn as part of the FBI's larger investigation into the Trump-Russia collusion codenamed Crossfire Hurricane. Highlighted here, shortly thereafter, Joe Pienka purported to attend a national security briefing with candidate Trump and Flynn, but Pienka's true motive was to observe Flynn as part of Crossfire Razor. This is not the first time Pienka's role in the Flynn investigation has been brought into serious question. Then-Chairman Charles Chuck Grassley sent May 11, 2018 letter to then-Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and FBI Director Christopher Wray as part of the Senate Judiciary Committee inquiry into the investigation of General Flynn. Grassley requested documents related to Pienka and Strzok in the Flynn investigation be provided and Pienka be made available for questioning by the committee's staff as you can see here in that letter from Chuck Grassley. This is also not the first time Pianca has been implicated in falsifying evidence before the FISC in order to obtain FISA surveillance warrants on Trump campaign officials. As detailed in March 2020 report by Inspector General uh, Michael Horowitz, the applications to all four FISA warrants on the Trump campaign advisor Carter Page contained serious errors and omissions not listed uh, by name. It was re- widely reported by Technofog, Last Refuge, and Greg Jarrett of Fox News, and later confirmed by Senator Grassley that Supervisory Special Agent 1 was indeed Agent Pienka. As the Horowitz IG report states, um, the FBI completes the FISA verification process, known as the Woods procedure, uh, and Technofog drops this out there. Now FBI manager Pienka's lies and omissions to the FISC were material and made under penalty of perjury. He knew the dossier was fraudulent, he knew the witness denials, and he lied about its accuracy. That is from the IG report document, as you can see right there. Um The OMB complaint filed by General Flynn explicitly highlights several times throughout the document Pianca's role in making false statements to the FISC in order to obtain FISA surveillance warrants on Flynn. This naturally leads to the question, why? Where have you gone, Joe Pianca? Joe Pianca has been a mysterious figure in the Flynn and Spygate saga since the beginning. Very few photographs of him are publicly available outside of a couple of him seen alongside Crossfire Hurricane figures inside the Capitol for congressional hearings. Uh, Joe Pianca on the far right right there next to Comey with his dumbass smirk on his freaking face. Um, 
As previously mentioned, Pienka attended January 24th, 2017 meeting in the White House alongside Strzok, but seemed to almost immediately drop off the Crossfire Razor investigation, as revealed in text messages between Strzok and his mistress, FBI attorney Lisa Page. Just a few weeks later, on February 10th, Strzok and Page appear to have edited Pienka's FBI 302 form, the FBI form used by agents to summarize details of the meeting. This is this was released a long time ago, and that is exactly what happened. Struck and Page did edit that form that came out in General Flynn's trial. Uh, these excerpts are taken from screenshots above. Um, okay. February 10th, this document pisses me off, says Page. You, you didn't even attempt to make this cogent and readable struck hey i was considering what you said please just drop off what you have i will incorporate it tonight tomorrow and email back out to you thanks for your time on it page it's fine unrelated but you need to finalize that asap i wouldn't be surprised if following this evening's events that a request comes in to see it struck i'm going to back i'm going back in tonight to do so text i gave my edits to bill Priestep to put on your desk uh, struck says, thank you. I appreciate your time struck Lisa. You didn't see it before my edits that went into what I sent you. I was one trying to not completely rewrite the thing. So as to save presumably Joe Pianca's voice and two, get it out to you for general review and comment anticipation of needing it soon. I greatly appreciate your time in reviewing and your edits. I incorporated them. Thank you. Struck. I did the edits better than I aming. <laughs> Page. Yes, it's no problem. You can say I emailed you to tell you I left them with you. Uh, struck text. I made your edits and sent them to Joe Pienka. I also emailed you an updated 302. I'm not asking you to edit it this weekend. I just wanted to send it to you. Uh, struck says, hopefully it doesn't need much more editing. I will polish it this weekend and have it ready for Monday. I really appreciate your time and edits. February 14th. Struck. Also, it is Andy McCabe good with the Flynn 302. Uh, Page. Launch on the Flynn 302. Uh, struck. K. Thank you. On February 14th. Excerpts from the transcripts of the text message conversations between FBI agent Peter Strzok and FBI lawyer Lisa Page. The declassified text message conversations between Strzok and Page seem to indicate they were making significant revisions to Pianka's 302 of the Flynn interview. This would be highly unusual since Strzok would have to complete his own 302 from the meeting to tell his recollection of what transpired in his own words. Lisa Page was not even in attendance, so it would be seem inconceivable her edits would provide more accurate recounting of what occurred. Just as concerning, as Strzok saying, he, wasn't, he was trying not to completely rewrite the thing to save Joe Pianca's voice. This may suggest Pianca was either unwilling or by that time no longer trusted to make the revisions himself. Interesting. As detailed on Twitter by uh, noted legal columnist Technofog, Pianca was transferred from Washington, D.C. to the San Francisco FBI field office in the summer of 2019, a year after the FISC was alerted to have deficiencies in the FISA applications on Carter Page. He was charged with reviewing since that time. He has, to our knowledge, not been seen publicly and shielded by the FBI and DOJ from congressional inquiries. It is also interesting to note that when the news became public about Pienka's role in the illicit Carter Page FISA warrants, the FBI San Francisco field office appeared to scrub any reference of Pienka on its website. Interesting. Speculation is varied about reasons for Pienka's transfer, apparent disappearance from the public spotlight, and subsequent unavailability to congressional oversight investigations. 
Perhaps Pianka's role in the Carter Page FISAs came to light early through some internal FBI, DOJ, IG, or congressional investigation similar to the one Congressman Devin Nunez was running as part of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. That was detailed in Lee Smith's book, The Plot Against the President. This could have embroiled him in his own internal investigation and taken him off the active casework or might have made the FBI and DOJ believe he was too toxic to participate in the Crossfire Razor and Crossfire Hurricane investigations because it would send set up too many red flags. All right, uh, let's see. Continuing here, another possibility is that Pianka simply refused to participate any further. By February 2017, Crossfire Hurricane and Crossfire Razor were already well over half a year old. He had already assisted in securing four bogus FISA warrants against Carter Page and likely the FISAs on General Flynn, which had yielded absolutely no evidence of collusion with Russia or Vladimir Putin. Career agents at the FBI had already twice attempted to close Crossfire Razor in early 2016 and again in January 2017 on the grounds there was no basis to investigate General Flynn for anything further. The refusal to close the case due to actions by upper echelons of the FBI leadership, i.e. the seventh floor and struck himself, led career FBI agents in D.C. field office to message each other such things as, we didn't find anything else from the investigation about him and this is a nightmare. There is even an exchange by FBI agents in D.C. on January 10th, 2017, stating that they and the employees at the CIA, quote, all went and purchased professional liability insurance due to their work on Crossfire Razor. So it is clear there was widespread, widespread angst among other FBI officials working with Pienka about their continued involvement in the investigation into General Flynn. The plot against Trump and Flynn was spinning out of control throughout January 2017 and went off the rails with the infamous January 5th Oval Office meeting, first exposed in Susan Rice's By the Book, Cover Your Ass memo to herself. There is a copy of that memo right there where uh, she talks about all of them meeting together, uh, figuring out how to damage the new incoming president and, and including trying to prosecute Flynn. There are also handwritten notes from then-FBI Assistant Director of Counterintelligence Bill Priestep during a meeting of the FBI's National Security Division on January 24, 2017, earlier that same day as Flynn White House meeting where he was asked, quote, what's our goal, truth, admission, or to get him to lie so we can prosecute him or get him fired from Bill Priestep's January 24, 2017 handwritten notes from a meeting of the FBI NSD filed in General Flynn's trial of making false statements to federal investigators. As you can see here, these are those notes that were released uh, declassed a while ago. The pre-step notes proved beyond all doubt that the FBI had intended to set up and entrap General Flynn in a bogus process crime that they did not have a predicate to investigate further or even to begin with. The fact a high-ranking FBI official would put down in writing prima facie evidence of such illicit corruption was shocking given everything else that happened up to that point. It is is it possible Priestep did so simply out of hubris, believing he and the rest of the FBI and DOJ plotters were above the law and would never face investigation or accountability? Indeed, it is equally, it is equally as likely excuse me, that Priestep recognized the investigations were crossing well over the line between rampant corruption into blatant illegality. He very well could have been penning himself a get-out-of-jail-free card so he could later claim he was the lone voice of reason in the room if when the plot against General Flynn and President Trump was exposed. Pienka was likely in the same meeting to discuss the planned setup of Flynn 
that he was that he would attend alongside Strzok later that same day, he probably was at a, at least as aware as perhaps more so of the line being crossed. It would later be shown in a January 25th NSD memo from the very next day that both Pienka as well as Strzok advised that General Flynn was very open and forthcoming and quote believed Flynn was believed. Uh, what he was saying was true, unquote. So it was stands to reason when Pienka, or any decent human being for that matter, was later asked to amend his 302 report to state General Flynn had lied, that may be the moment Pienka refused to go along with any further in what led Strzok and Page to having to heavily edit his 302 of the Flynn interview. That's an interesting theory. The third possibility has been floated that Pienka may have turned whistleblower. His transfer to the FBI's San Francisco field office may have been done to guard him against retaliation from colleagues in the D.C. field office and the seventh floor coming forward. This could explain how FBI and DOJ were able to keep Pienka away from congressional investigators, claiming he was cooperating witness in an ongoing criminal or internal investigation. It could explain... Also, how Flynn's legal team became aware of Pienka's role in the, in obtaining a FISA surveillance warrant taken out against gen, the general before it was publicly reported in order to make declarative statements in the OMB complaints such as the FBI lied to the FISA court and Pienka made multiple false statements. They would need a pretty ironclad basis to assert uh, such statements of fact that's not something a lawyer as accomplished as Flynn's attorney, Jesse Benal, is willing is just willy-nilly going to throw out there into a complaint seeking $50 million. They would likely need some type of official document or acknowledgement from the DOJ or Inspector General attesting to it as fact or evidence that would constitute a rock-solid foundation to make the claims. A whistleblower complaint would certainly do that. When did the FBI have a FISA on General Flynn? There is nothing included in the, in the Flynn OMB complaint documents that indicate when the FISA surveillance warrants were issued against General Flynn, if they were ever renewed, and if so, how many times. This is conjecture on our part, but based on the timeline of Crossfire Razor investigation, we can propose a reasonable hypothesis. On August 15, 2016, in response to a text from Lisa Page fretting about the possibility that Trump could get elected president, Strzok sent a reply regarding an insurance policy. Right here, that is in the Strzok page documents that were declassified. The next day, on August 16th, Strzok formally opens Crossfire Razor investigation in General Flynn. Here is the document here. On the following day after that, on August 17th, Pienka was inserted into the national security briefing of then-candidate Donald Trump to observe General Flynn as part of Crossfire Razor. If, based on Pienka's observations from August 17th meeting, along with whatever evidence the Crossfire cabal could gin up, an application for a FISA warrant on General Flynn was presented to the FISC and granted, the FISA warrant would have been active for 90 days until it expired or needed to be renewed in late November of 2016. As revealed by then-acting DNI, Richard Grinnell's declassification of Obama administration officials who requested the unmasking of General Flynn's name in classified intelligence intercepts, those unmaskings did not begin until late November, early December of 2016. So roughly around the same time as a FISA issued in late August 2016 would have been set to expire. And there were a shocking number of requests throughout December 2016 and January 2017. 49 requests from 16 Obama administration officials in all, but no requests before them. 
when Crossfire Razor was in full swing or afterward, if a FISA were in effect during that time, there would be no need to unmask General Flynn's name in any intelligence report since the FBI would have unfettered access to all of Flynn's electronic communications. Screenshots of the unmasking requests are there. This is really well done. It seems unlikely that Pienka would have been involved in preparing and reviewing a FISA application and its related Woods file after January of 2017. He was not even completing uh, his own 302 form of January 24th Flynn meeting. However, he would have been neck deep in preparing FISA applications and Woods files in late September 2016 since his name was all over the Carter Page FISA application and three subsequent removal or renewals. Given all those facts, it is reasonable to hypothesize that a single FISA surveillance warrant issued against General Flynn in late August or early September 2016 expired after the initial 90-day period. Either the FBI did not attempt to renew it, or the FISC denied the FBI's renewal application and any attempt to obtain a new FISA after General Flynn had been forced out as Trump's NSA would have been likely too risky given the, the media attention on Flynn by that point. Last paragraph, or last section here. Why did Flynn have to be taken out? In closing, we would like to remind the readers that the reason for removing Lieutenant General Flynn as President Trump's NSA was priority number one for the deep state and why the FBI, DOJ, and Obama acolytes had to go to all this trouble to set up and frame an American war hero with a sterling reputation and an impeccable 30-year, 33-year career in the United States Army who has been described as the top military intelligence officer of his generation. President Trump was a political novice and completely unfamiliar with the way Washington, D.C. worked, particularly the way the deep state actors within the law enforcement, military, and intel apparatuses operated and yielded power. Having been director of Defense Intelligence Agency under President Obama, by some estimates the largest intelligence agency in the world, General Flynn knew how the U.S. intelligence community operated, where there were flaws and problems and outright corruption. He knew where all the proverbial bodies were buried on both the Republican and Democrat sides. Nearly the entire establishment intelligence community outside of General Flynn had vehemently opposed Trump's election. The intelligence community knew Trump intended to drain the swamp and General Flynn was the Drano. Once General Flynn was taken out, Trump was blind and unprotected. Flynn also knew where all the good actors or white hats were within the IC. During the transition period, anyone General Flynn had identified as a candidate for appointment or promotion to a national security position in the Trump administration could be targeted for the same type of investigation, political persecution, and weeded out of the government. Or they simply ran and hid and got themselves uh, and got out themselves once they saw what happened to the king of the white hats, not wanting to suffer the same fate as General Flynn through the no fault of their own. Trump allowing himself to get steamrolled by the deep state after firing General Flynn so so soon after taking office was quite simply the worst decision of the entire Trump presidency. From that point forward, Trump was a sitting duck for this deep, deep state. Defense attorney Robert Barnes gave an excellent summary of why General Flynn had to be taken out and the deep state's methods to accomplish it in the April 2020 episode of American Countdown. Coincidentally, as an introduction to the deep dive interview with Tracy Beans about the Flynn case. Check it out there. All right, good stuff. What's up, Joel and Cage Farmers in the house? Good to see you guys out there. There's a summary of the Flynn stuff. That that is a really good summary of the whole of what actually happened 
to General Flynn. So if you guys want to check that out, I'll get that article out there to you guys. Well done by Adam Carter and Tracy Beans, pulling it, all the pieces of the puzzle together uh, into one nice little bow. So there you go. There's that good stuff from Tracy Beans over there, unco- over there at Uncover DC. Whew. All right. Let me check in with you guys. How are you guys doing out there? You guys hanging in there today? Lots of reading to kick the show off the, off the day with, but uh, important stuff, I think, that is worth spending the time to cover today. So uh, let me get this link out there to all the other platforms if you want to get pull that together. It's a really good summary of uh, what happened to General Flynn and why that's going to play itself out into a very interesting time as well. All right. All the lurkers over there on DLive, thanks for being here today, guys. Much love. appreciate it. Thanks, thanks again. Johnny B, how you doing out there? Good to see you. Uh, let's see. Susan Groves in the house. Desert Beauty out there hanging out as well. Zero o'clock. Thanks for being here today. appreciate that. Much love, guys. Peggy's in there. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Let's see. Tam Growl. I really like General Flynn. Yeah, I do too. Warrior Mima. Thank you. Thank you for the fleet. That is very appreciation. And appreciation for unscented Abe. <laughs> Thank you, Warrior Mima. I appreciate that very much. Much love. All of you guys over there on the Foxhole, TAC 264, Nancy, Glenn, and Bales. Thank you guys for the uh, for the gold pills over there. Can't do it without you guys. I appreciate you guys very much. Let's go, Brandon. No bullshit. Uncensored Abe. Good to see you out there. Hope all is well. Pete Faggy's out there working their way in as well. Take a breath. I know, right? How about a cup of coffee here? Can I get a sip of coffee here? Uh, thank you, Ganaz. Good to see you. Yeah, so for the second half, we got the Pence stuff to talk about. Yes, we're going to talk about that. Uh, there's a couple other things uh, that are happening out there today as well. And we'll we'll check in to see if there's anything breaking out there as well. Uh, in fact, I'll probably do that right now real quick. And while you guys are lurking out there with me, everyone over there on Telegram also, guys, thanks. First time uh, streaming over on Telegram. And... Um, Nobody listening. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Everyone's on the other platforms checking it out as well. Uh, let's see here. Lots of stuff happening out there about the shooter and stuff. Um, so that's pretty much all I'm really seeing out there. Lara Logan has this diesel crisis looms as U.S. supplies running on fumes. Um, nobody wants to take the Moderna vaccine. <laughs> I wonder why that is. Gee, we can't figure out why nobody wants to force this stuff down their throats. I just I can't figure it out, guys. All right, let's get to the World Economic Forum. Uh, there's some stuff over there that came out today that we have to cover. And then from there, really, just we have a summary of stuff. Oh, you know what I wanted to uh, you know what I wanted to do real quick? Uh, isn't I think I checked this before. Is Pienka mentioned in QPost? No, he's not. That's interesting, right? Of all the people named, Pienka's not. That is interesting. The whistleblower theory does seem rather interesting. Um, you know, somebody who's, he, he looks fairly young, you know. So somebody who's up and coming, uh, I would think, would use a brain, you know, and uh, be like, yeah, I'm not I'm not getting involved with that at all. <laughs> Can you hear me over there, over there, Glenn? I can't tell if, uh, maybe, maybe it's just not working. Maybe my mic's not set up good or something over there on, on Telegram. <laughs> Desert Beauty says, Pence, you mean Judas incarnate Abe? Point blank. Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, but uh, first, I want to get to the, the World Economic Forum. And then 
we can talk about that if you want. The fourth estate. World Economic Forum partners with CNN, New York Times, and the Chinese state media for Davos 2022. As uh, Jordan Shadle has a new Substack out there today that I wanted to read for you guys. So we'll pull this up here. How about right now? We'll, we'll throw this up there and we'll see what's in this. Interesting little nuggets coming out of the World Economic Forum today. The corporate press and their government sponsors don't want you to know what is happening in Davos this year as the global ruling class meets behind heavily secured and invite-only doors this week for the World Economic Forum's annual Nazi summit in Switzerland. That's right. Nazis all come together and figure out how to... uh, um, you know, enslave the whole world and put, keep them underneath their uh, their the neck on their proverbial the boot on their proverbial neck. Our news media is supposed to exist in part to hold powerful people and organizations accountable for their actions. Instead, the corporate press has decided to become an instrument for the powerful, demonstrated by newfound partnerships via hyperpolitical WEF and their allied elites at Davos. Klaus Schwab tells attendees at his World, world Economic Forum in Davos that the future is being built by us. Oh yeah. You think so, Klaus, huh? The future is Check out this Nazi. Let's 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 hear what this Nazi has to say. I definitely want to, you know, it's important to to hear the Nazis in their own words, you know. So we gotta let's hear Klaus Schwab, uh, the the new Nazi party leader of the world, in his own words today. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as you here in this room. We have the means to improve the states of the world, but two conditions are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities, that we serve not our only self-interests, but we serve the community. That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. And second, that we collaborate. There, there it is right there. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The stakeholder responsibility, their new way of running the world is in cooperation with private business. Yes, isn't that great? Just that way we can make sure we can manipulate how the future is. And this is the reason why you find many opportunities here during the meeting to engage into very action and impact-oriented initiatives to make progress related to specific issues on the global agenda. How about no? How's that sound, buddy? The dossier has reviewed for the reviewed the agenda for uh, the Davos 2022 and found that several media partners appear on the schedule. Isn't that great? Notably, the WEF is a fanatical political organization with specific global policy goals related to the advancing an authoritarian climate agenda. Therefore, it should be considered highly unethical for journalistic outfits to partner with this organization on events. Nonetheless, virtually all of our major corporate press entities have decided to forego any semblance of objectivity and independence for Davos 2022. Yeah, here is but a handful of media partnered panels for Davos 2022. On Monday morning, the Chinese state-affiliated Caxian Media Group 
held a panel in partnership with the World Economic Forum on Investing in China. Isn't that great? Oh, wow, that's just wonderful. Monday afternoon saw WEF uh, CNN uh, partnered panel, and Wednesday there will be another CNN panel on climate action. Yay! On Monday afternoon, an equitable response is to ending the pandemic panel in partnership with, well, Political, featuring the CEO of Moderna, yes, and the CEO of Pfizer in attendance at Davos as well. Go freaking figure. Monday evening, a session developed in partnership with the New York Times. The newspaper of record will also host a Tuesday panel discussion. On Sunday, Rebel News journalist journalist Avi Yemeni attempted to interview Rebecca Blumenstein, a New York Times moderator for the Monday panel. She, uh, well, she refused to comment. So there's that. Uh, Let's see, what else do we have here? This session was developed in partnership with the New York Times. Isn't that wonderful? Tuesday morning, we see a session on global taxation in partnership with, well, CNBC. Isn't that nice? On Tuesday afternoon, there's a panel with Reuters. Tuesday evening, a panel on changing uh, world in partnership with the Wall Street Journal. It features Thomas Donilon, the Obama national security chief turned BlackRock top executive. Go freaking figure. All the, all the usuals are there. Additionally, the Washington Post will place a moderator at two separate Davos sessions. How are non-credentials media treated at Davos? Well, you guys saw what happened to Jack Posebic. As the World Economic Police was sicked on by Klaus Schwab, the WEF appears to have its own paramilitary force. Isn't that nice? Did you guys see the the sticker on this or the patch on this guy's arm? <laughs> I'll pull it up for you bigger so you can see it. It says World Economic Forum Police. So they they even have their own Stasi. The Nazi, the new Nazi Reich has their own, uh, you know, their own SS. Isn't that nice? At Davos, the fourth estate has made clear its chief priority is acting to advance the interest of the people who yield the most power and influence. Yuri Bezmov, public partnership is Orwellian doublespeak for fascism. <laughs> jackpot. That is a jackpot right there for sure. Check this out. Uh, Benny Johnson, Twitter suspended a user who tweeted this out. So therefore, we're going to amplify it on Uncensored Day like we always do. Here it is. Uh, maybe not. Twitter suspended the employees, so we need a calibration of right here. It is right here. What we're really seeing in this conflict is that information does play a key role, that there can't, information can't be weaponized. And that's why we wanted to focus so much on, on making sure that we both have the right policies and the enforcement associated with that. The reason we are still serving in Russia, and we believe that that is important, is that we're able to, to deliver independent news into Russia. <laughs> That's the dumb bitch who got me banned off of YouTube. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, the person that um, got banned off of Twitter said, had, a, had a, uh, a forum who said, we need a recalibration of human rights like freedom of speech. So they're telling us flat out of what they want to do. This guy, this guy here, listen to this fucking guy over here. Through technology and ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. 
Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. So we're yeah, so therefore you can have your social credit score, and, and if you uh, eat too much red meat or you drove too much and your carbon footprint has maxed out, you're going to have to pay taxes on that. Yes, isn't that great? The carbon tax is the foundation of the future where we get taxed for, well, running your mouth, I guess, for instance. Yeah. So that's what they want to do with the future. And uh, it's just the same old, same old, same old with these freaking people. They, If you listen to them, they will tell you what they want to do. Let me see if I can find any others out there today. Uh, let's see. There's a carbon footprint one. We got that. Uh, here, here is the. Uh, we need a recalibration of human rights. We like are free finding ourselves in a place um, where we're we have increasing polarization <laughs> everywhere, and everything feels binary when it doesn't need to be. So I think we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights that are playing out online. You know, from freedom of speech to the freedom to, you know, to be free from on- online violence or the uh, right of data protection to the right to child dignity. <laughs> the right to child dignity. Hey, you dumb bitch. Does that same right to child dignity apply to unborn babies? You fucking moron. I fucking hate these people. They're evil at their core, and they'll tell you exactly what kind of people they are. Every single speaker at the World Economic Forum in Switzerland is a terrible, evil person. It's just not predominantly evil people. The entire WEF is a f- f- the purest form of evil. I agree. D. Schlopes. Cat the Great has this out there. Uh, let's see. Soros, WEF, are and all the global elites are panicking because they don't want us to know that Russia is winning. I think that's probably exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, Jack Pasevic says, notice the rhetoric shift. Now the New York Times editorial board and Henry Kissinger at the WEF are both calling for a negotiated peace for Ukraine, even if it means ceding territory to Russia. We knew that was coming. That's probably was already in the deal from the beginning. Um, let's see. The Washington Pundit has WEF panelists bragging about development of carbon footprint tracker. And uh, someone says, wonder if he flew on a private jet to get there. You freaking people. All right, there's your summary of the scumbags at the World Economic Forum and what they want to do for us in the future. Isn't that nice? Isn't that just great? Ah, yes. Gore made millions from that scam. Yes, he did, Johnny B. Yes, he did. All right, Pence. I'm sure you guys are dying to listen to me eat crawl on Pence. So let's get to it. Let me me just say this, all right? I'm just going to say this and then... We'll let it play itself out. The criticisms of Mike Pence so far, to me, I have proven them why they are invalid. Everything from uh, the election to the supposed setup of General Flynn, even though I believe Mike Pence was um, misled by schools and his other chief of staffs. All of the criticism that has been out there is what I have been addressing. I I am uh, admittedly somebody who I appreciate, Mike Pence, because he oversaw the greatest conservative governance of our country ever. Okay? that's You cannot not argue anything other than that. Now, is he an establishment candidate? Is he trying to keep the powers that be and the structures that be together? Probably. You know, these people, this, this, is, the, this is how they have lived their whole life. That said, the criticism with regards to January, 
the election and General Flynn are invalid. And that is why I have been so fervent against those things, because if you're going to criticize somebody, at least let it be legit. And those are, in my opinion, not legit arguments. Now, Pence holding a rally with freaking uh, Kemp the same time as Trump holding a rally, it really freaking irks me. I will give you this. But let me just say this, okay? I wrote this last night. The successful radicalization of the voting populace by our government via the media is scary to watch. Remember the days when you could disagree on a topic, endorsement, or policy, and you would shake hands with that person and move on? Is it possible to disagree with Trump on anything and not be called a traitor? Is it you are either America first or you're a traitor? Is that where we're at in our life now? Anybody who disagrees with anything that Trump does? Because that's what it seems like. And I realize that the argument with Kemp is much deeper than that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There is never a shortage of opinionated pundits who have it all figured out. Is it possible that Trump and Pence are working very carefully to make sure that the that the Republican Party in Georgia is united no matter what happens through through the voting block? Is it possible that there's a bigger play here? with regards to how important Georgia is in upcoming elections, and maybe there's some actual kayfabe happening with this, whereas in other places there maybe hasn't been. I don't know, but I know this. Pence's appearance on behalf of Kemp is traitorous, at the very least. Kemp is a scumbag rhino who basically uh, is, is the typical spineless Republican who is owned by the establishment, Right? And not only that, but he has ties to the ports and China and those who have been trying to steal our ports for a very long time. There's there's so much corruption with regard to him that I just can't I can't believe that Pence made this move. All I'm saying is that is it possible that maybe we don't know everything about everything that's happening with the Republican Party and Pence and there's more to it than meets the eye? It is possible. Am I extremely disappointed that Pence did this? Yes. But is there more politics at play here than meets the eye is my only question on this. Now, you guys know that I, I, I have and I will continue to always give Pence the benefit of the doubt. And many of you are probably rolling your freaking eyes over at me right now. So let me go check in with uh, you guys. Uh, let's see. Z says optics. Pence is stumping for him. I, I realize that. Uh, let's see. Um, Desert Beauty says uh, heard all this before. Doesn't resonate with me at all. Uh, I understand that. You say Pence is a piece of shit. And uh, you also believe that. Um, he is a pedo, which is ridiculous, uh, a blatant smear. Um, and the, the, the idea that, uh, that he is a traitorous to the country. I have a hard time going that far with, with, with just disagreement on a, on a topic. Um, so I don't know. I just look at it that way. Um, I think there's more politics at play here than meets the eye. And I know, I realize many of you are very, very upset with Pence, all I'm saying is is the criticisms are not valid. Number one, President, Vice President Pence is not the person 
who can overturn the results of an election. You do not want Kamala Harris making that decision either. It is the responsibility of the state legislatures to certify elections and send those to the federal government. The federal government then has objections that they can they can pursue in Congress, as was done the evening of January 6th. Six Republicans in this country voted for the objections of Arizona. Five voted for Michigan. Like five voted for Pennsylvania. I think it was five or six voted for Wisconsin. So if you want somebody to blame with regards to what happened on January 6th, Mitch McConnell and Pence may have worked behind the scenes to shut down any of this debate. If there is proof of that, I would like to see it, but I have not seen proof of that. So therefore, the January 6th election thing is invalid criticism. The tie-ins with with General Flynn, the the infiltrators of, of Scott Schools and his other chief of staffs are a plausible uh, reasoning why Mike Pence was involved in the whole General Flynn thing. Now, is it possible that he was involved maliciously as, as a sponsorship of the deep state? Then if that is true, why did Pence serve as a as one of the greatest conservative vice presidents in getting legislation passed through Congress than any other uh, vice president ever? Next to maybe Newt Gingrich. So there you go. They said they... Uh, Desert Beauty says, then send it back to Pence, had opportunity, Abe, and Pence said no. No, that is not how our election system works. You have, you have a misunderstanding of how our elections work. The objections go to the state, the our sen- senators, and um, in the objection hearing, those are the ones who vote for it, not, not the vice president. The vice president does not have the power. That is a misunderstanding of what you think the vice president's powers are. If you, what would happen if, if Kamala Harris in 2024 said, no, I don't agree with these slate of electors, I'm taking those? Would you then say that the vice president has that power, or would you say, no, it doesn't? It, that is not how the election system works in this country. The, the process for objections goes through, like, Ted, ask Ted Cruz. He's one of the ones who voted for all of the objections. Where's the rest of the Republicans in this country that didn't vote for him and push the objections back to the, the state legislatures? That's how that would have worked. That's the legal process of doing that. You don't want to, you don't want to take an illegal, unconstitutional process because you agree with it. That's not how we should do it. It should be legal and constitutional. And the way that that happens is they vote on it, and the, the vote came out with just five Republicans backing the objection. At that point, nobody else has any power to do anything. That's not how our election system works. So, you know, all this blaming of Pence is misunderstanding how our election systems work, and I'm trying to keep people focused on that. But that doesn't matter to people. And so when I say that, you know, I, I'm a supporter of Pence, I, I you know, reluctantly, this today just royally drives me nuts. It definitely pisses me off that he's with Kemp. I'm saying that the other the other criticisms are not valid because there is no proof that the vice president can do anything in those matters. So that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. January January 6th was very convenient timing to stop the election verification process. Indeed, that's what's more important, uh, Master Meatball, uh, that the um, Nancy Pelosi and uh, I think Chuck Schumer, but it could be Mitch McConnell, are the ones that made sure that January 6th happened the way that it happened for sure. Uh, We've talked about that a lot on our channel for sure, my friend. So I appreciate that comment out there. White Metal Arts, we'll see. Um, And, you know, 
I, trust me, I, this whole camp thing is drives me nuts. But again, I, I just stay focused on, on what we can prove and what we know. The vice president does not have the authority to th th throw back the electors back to the states. That is not true. And you do not want any other vice president having that power either. So there you go. Pence is still a piece of shit. That's fine. I mean, you know, everybody has their opinion on him. I just, I like I said, I just stay focused on the criticisms. If there's valid criticisms, this is a freaking valid criticism. This is freaking bullshit. The only thing I can think of here is trying to keep the, the, the Republican Party, you know, growing. And Flynn, Pence, and, um, hello, McFly, Trump are reaching out to other voters. Oz is an example of that in areas where they're trying to expand the movement into areas that maybe I wouldn't agree with. But you would agree that even though we we disagree on specific policies with a lot of these different people like Oz and others, expanding our voting block and welcoming more people in is the right thing to do at this time in this juncture. So there you go. I am totally not surprised by his uh, behavior. Uh, I that figures. I, I agree with you. That's, uh, I, I am surprised. I, I don't agree with you, but, um, there you go. We do not want the swamp growing. <laughs> no, I hear you. Um, but you know, we, you, we all understand that everything that we are facing in this country has been manipulated by the powers that be. So not everybody is a traitor. If you disagree with their policies, we, we have to get away from this, this idea where it's either my way or the highway politically that what we, what we need is, is we need people in DC who don't, ha who aren't bought and paid for globalists. That's what we need. You, we can have a disagreement with a liberal and, and, and they can vote and represent those people who believe in those ideas and still not be traitors. We got to get away from that thing where, where, like I'll agree with that one thing that she said, we have become very binary in that manner and it is purposeful. It has been done to us and we should, we should make sure that we're keeping the door open for others who maybe disagree with us in some ways, but maybe also don't understand how our world has been manipulated to the point of us wanting to be at each other's throats. So I just kind of look at it like that. Um, so there you go. Um, let me move on here. Uh, and I appreciate all you guys' comments on, on Pence. But like I said, I, I think politically there's more happening in, in Georgia. And it's, it's an important state. And if Stacey Abrams does win, she, she stole it, number one. And number two, uh, all of the bickering back and forth between Pence and uh, and Trump isn't going to freaking matter anymore because Stacey Abrams will be running, you know, Georgia. So that's what, that's what the focus should be on. In my opinion, let's stay focused on on what matters. All right, let me keep moving here today. we got about 20 minutes left. I got a few other articles that I want to show you guys. And we'll start here with this U S preparing renewal of, of Chevron's Venezuela license without broader terms, say sources, this dropping earlier today, <laughs> Anytime you can find a communist, uh, you know, Marxist regime that needs a place for money laundering, eh, the Democrats will find it. U.S. Treasury Department is getting ready to renew the, in the coming days Chevron Corporation's license to operate in Venezuela, but likely with without the greatly expanded terms the U.S. oil major sought for people close to the talk said. That's kind of interesting. The last energy producer in Venezuela asked President Joe Biden's government in March for a license that would allow it uh, a greater 
USA in its joint ventures with Venezuela state-run PVDSA, or whatever the hell that is. The first step in reviving output and controlling where oil is sent. In reversal of earlier hopes for a broader expanded authorization, however, the license is now expected to be renewed as is or returned to some of the terms it had in 2020, which did not limit Chevron's drilling, processing, or shipping oil from Venezuela, according to people. A final decision has not been made, one person close to the matter says. But Washington last week gave Chevron what it called a narrow authorization through November to engage in talks with Nicolas Maduro, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, but that's where that's at. Uh, some some news today that I figured you guys would want to hear on that front. Former Army Colonel Gail Curley is going to be investigating the Supreme Court leak. She is appointed to her position as the Marshal of the U.S. Supreme Court less than a year ago, and now she's going to be tasked with finding out who leaked this Roe versus Wade stuff. Um, Curley is a former Army Colonel, has been uh, the Marshal Post for less than a year. Her primary tasks generally include overseeing the court's police force and operations of the Supreme Court building, as well as resetting a few lines of law when the court's nine justices walk into the room. But now Curley, 53, will be overseeing the leak, which suggests the court is poised to rule uh, of case that will effectively reverse the Roe decision that for decades has been given women the right for abortion. Their official decision is expected sometime in the next several weeks. Associated Press report describes Curly as smart, private, apolitical, and unlikely to be intimidated based upon interviews with those who have known and worked with her in the past. Experts say the leak is, is likely not a crime, but the AP reports that it was unclear if Curley has the power to issue subpoenas for, for material from journalists or the people in the court with access to the draft opinion. Curley, however, has a military history of overseeing multiple criminal and administrative investigations at a time and supervised teams of attorneys and paralegals. Interesting. She was the chief of the National Security Law Division in the office of the Judge Advocate General and has been described as an expert on international law. Wow. Something tells me she's going to get to the bottom of that leak. <laughs> uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. I just wanted to find out uh, a little bit about uh, the person that is going to be investigating it. So there you go. Uh, two leading GOP candidates for Michigan governor face being disqualified from running amid, uh, amid a signature forgery scandal. Um, and more happening in uh, Michigan as well as Donna Brandenburg ha- is having her uh, signatures being questioned as well. That's how the, the establishment does it. If they don't want you running for office, uh, they check your, uh, these signatures don't look right. And the problem with, with, with uh, signature getting is sometimes it can be purposeful. So keep an eye out on that as well. Two leading GOP candidates for Michigan governor face being disqualified for running amid a signature forgery scandal. So they are the two candidates vying to become the Republican nomination for governor, uh, being disqualified from the race after they failed to submit enough valid signatures to make the ballot for the August primary. Uh, Former Detroit police chief James Craig, who led in primary polling despite campaign problems, and businessman Perry Johnson has spent millions of his own money to run. Uh, together turned in more than 20,000 invalid signatures and more than 15,000 that were allegedly fraudulently collected by paid petition circulators. Huh. The bureau said on uh, Monday on Friday night, on Monday night, that Craig and Perry and three other GOP candidates who failed to file enough valid nominating signatures should not qualify for the forthcoming primary. A recommendation that immediately transformed into the battleground race. Uh, I think it's 
Alongside Craig and Johnson, the Bureau determined that three other lesser-known GOP candidates, Donald Brandenburg, Michael Brown, and Michael Markey, did not turn in enough valid signatures as well. So I guess there's going to be a review of all of this on, I think it is Friday, and the final decision will be made on the signatures and the invalid signatures, and likely there will probably be lawsuits filed as well. So we'll keep an eye on what's going on in Michigan. The fuckery seems to be still in place again. Interesting happenings in New York as Nonad's Penguin Nadler is in the news. Uh, a, a Madison clash of Titans redistricting in New York is going to pit Nadler versus Maloney in the primary. <laughs> They're eating their own again. Representative Carolyn Maloney said she was surprised when Jerry Nadler announced he was running for New York's 12th district, something he didn't mention when they spoke after their master meet or meeting. Uh, we'll see. Uh, this is from Politico, so take it for what it's worth. Uh, they both have been in office for nearly 30 years. They both chair powerful House committees. They both have affluent, active voter bases flanking Central Park. Now representatives Jerry Nadler, Nonads, and Carolyn Maloney are set to face off in a cross-Manhattan clash of the titans thrust into the same district by a court-ordered redistricting plan. Unlike past primary battles that pitted upstart challengers against Democratic incumbents, this fight positions two septuagenarian D.C. insiders against each other. That's, a, that's an impressive word. Hold on. I got, this is a, that's an impressive word for political to use there. What do we have here? We have... Sept to engineering a person whose age is in the seventies. That's good enough. So you learn something new every day. Um, uh, forcing fellow Manhattan political polls and political allies to choose sides. Here's the old map, as you can see here uh, in this area in District Nine, and here is the new map as they have uh, now have um, seem seemingly more control over New York. To be completely honest. Um, she says this, I've been asked to step aside my whole career. I've always been told that I had no right to run. I've always been told to shut up and get out of the room. And I just kept working. Marilyn Maloney said in an interview on Monday, that's a, that's a nice little tactic to take. You know what I'm saying? After releasing a statement saying too many accomplished women have been told to stand aside for the sake of men's egos. Boy, way to make that race out to be a, uh, of course, a thing between men and women. So Anyways, that's going to be interesting, and something tells me that Nonads is going to be taking a hike. So, see you later, Nonads. There you go. Uh, all right, remember that submarine crash in the South China Sea? Some news on that reported in CNN today. Rather interesting, actually, I found. Navy investigation finds a submarine crash in the South China Sea was, well, preventable. <laughs> Thanks, Tactus 64. I will check that out. A Navy investigation into the October crash of a submarine into an underwater ridge in the South China Sea was, well, preventable and followed navigation planning and risk management mistakes as well as other errors. The failures fell far below U.S. Navy standards, according to the command investigation, and the accident left the U.S. Connecticut self-powered Seawolf class nuclear-powered submarine unable to operate for an extended period of time because of the damage. Eleven sailors suffered minor injuries in the accident, the most serious of which was scalp laceration and a broken scalpula. Um, 
But on the journey to Guam, where the Connecticut headed following the crash, the ship's leadership found that more than a third of the crew would benefit from a mental health treatment. (laughs) A grounding at this speed and depth had the potential for even more serious injuries, fatalities, and even a loss of the ship, wrote Rear Admiral uh, Christopher Cavanaugh, who led the investigation. In November, the Navy relieved the ship's leadership of their duties, including the commanding officer, executive officer, and the chief of the boat. The... uh, the completed command investigation recommends three other crew members be removed from their positions as well. The navigation review team, which includes the commanding officer, failed to find and mark at least 10 underwater hazards near the location of the grounding, the investigation found, and the team incorrectly concluded the submarine will be operating in an open area. The submarine also suffered from low standards because the ship's leadership didn't hold sailors accountable for navigation errors or deficiencies. Seems to me that's a kind of an important thing to have in a submarine that is nuclear powered. But hey, welcome to our new Navy. The investigation also revealed a previous accident on the USS Connecticut. In April of 2021, the submarine collided with a pier at Navy Base Loma in San Diego. At the time, an investigation found degraded standards in navigation, planning, and seamanship. But the accident was written off as an anomalous performance, not a systematic failure. Yeah. <sighs> the hunt for Red October sometimes makes me wonder... If it's the uh, incompetence <laughs> that is that is some of our Navy now, it is scary to think that uh, they don't really know how to uh, you know navigate. That's kind of a small problem to have, isn't it? Or a big problem to have, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Finishing it up with January 6th here today, guys. Thanks for hanging out with me today. No prison time for an Antifa terrorist convicted of attempting manslaughter, attempted manslaughter after shooting and injuring protesters. From Aurora, Colorado, Samuel Young, a protester who was convicted of four counts of attempted manslaughter from the 2020 Antifa BLM riots, received a sentence of no prison time. While January 6th political dissidents are being tortured in prison for a year and a half, this guy almost tried to kill people and he gets no prison time. The Antifa BLM riots in Aurora, Colorado uh, resulted in the interstate being closed. The height of the protest, a family attempted to drive their Jeep through the crowd on the highway, and a protester allegedly reached for their firearm and began shooting. While the terrorist was allegedly trying to shoot at the driver of the vehicle, protesters were also caught in the crossfire. So, yeah, apparently this guy is just, you know, he's uh, he's got some good friends in high places, apparently. So there you go. This guy, there's the picture right there of him shooting at the at innocent family. Gets no prison time. Why? Uh, well, social justice warrior. He's a brainwashed fucking moron, so you can't help him. Meanwhile, January 6th protesters are still fighting for their freedom. Recently, one of them did get their freedom the first time since... Uh, They have been shoved into their prison cells in D.C. The January 6th Legal Defense Fund is an organization that is working very hard to be a family member to people who are being persecuted in prison because of January 6th setup. Do me a favor, please. Grab that link. Drop it into your social media. Tell a friend. Tell a family member about this group. 
Ask them if they can't help financially to spread the word about this great group. And you can find out how to uh, write letters to the protesters who are still in prison for exactly what um, any freedom-loving patriot would do. You can tell it's very frustrating for me because there's a lot of them that are still stuck in prison. All right, Joe Patriot over on there on Rumble says, I took that as Pence would have to accept a losing just like Trump and that keeping his mouth closed was the hardest decision he ever had to make. Uh, just crazy guys' thoughts on Pence. I agree. Um, I'm really pissed off that he's, whatever this is with Kemp sucks, man. But um, the other criticisms, in my opinion, are invalid. So that's all I'm saying. Um Dr. J. Blazer, biblically, it's called the spirit of stupor, end times prophecy. Check it out. I will. Great news, says Johnny B. My granddaughter, who's 10, got a certificate of merit for her schoolwork today. She was so happy holding up to her dad and sent me a pic. That's awesome, man. Congratulations on your daughter's great work there. Hunter Hunter Dev says Pfizer's making a million a minute. I'm desperately trying to save our children. Indeed. Uh, the the uh, You can only do what you can. People are just, uh, people will do whatever they want anyway. So, you do what you can. It's like a, you got to look at it like a, your children. You know, you do what you can to try to wake them up, and then you just let them run along. And if they don't get it, then they don't get it. They just think that you're crazy and you're lying to them, and you can't fix that. So all you do is you do what you can, and you say, okay, you have fun with that then. Coming to us from FCCED, the last four minutes, and then I'll release the uh, scratch-offs. Thanks again for all of the gold pills. 45-45 gold pills today. TAC-264 making it 45-45. Matt DePernal explains a signature issue in Michigan. Indeed, thank you for that. Thank you all out there for joining us here today. Let's check in with FCCED. Chicago area mayor guilty in a red light bribery uh, uh, camera scheme that the Madigan Mafia was all working in Chicago. Anthony Tony Ragucci, former mayor of Oak Brook Terrace, pleaded guilty on May 23rd to bribery charges related to the red light camera scheme in Chicago. And the Madigan Mafia, another one hits the takes hits the dirt. So there you go. Uh, KPMG fined $3.4 million over Rolls-Royce audits. Nigeria accountant general... Suspended over $80 billion fraud. And then we got the Miami DEA agents charged in a bribery and conspiracy from FCCEDA today. We also had last week the Wells Fargo advisors fined $7 million for SEC pro failures and, well, not exactly money laundering oversight, but just, you know, accidentally forgetting to put this software in place that detects money laundering, says Wells Fargo. Hey, I didn't know. I, we, we were going to do it, but we just didn't have time. And uh, Hillary Clinton's cabal told us not to. So, anyways, from the Department of Just Us comes some justice. Glencore entered guilty pleas to foreign bribery and market manipulation schemes. Ship owner and operator pleaded guilty to environmental and safety crimes. BOP corrections officer pleads guilty to sexual assault of a woman in federal custody in L.A., Justice Department launches civil rights investigation into Kentucky's mental health service system. And uh, let's see here. Coming to us yesterday, a Tennessee's corrections officer charged with obstructing investigation into allegations of misconduct with an inmate. And that is all we have from the Department of Just Us. Thanks for being here today, guys. I appreciate you guys all very much. Another edition of the two-hour show has gone through with the quickness here today, guys. We got through Durham stuff. We got to uh, General Flynn stuff today, and we got to the World Economic Forum stuff today. So thank you all for being joining us here today, as you guys do every day. 
knock my socks off says, I don't think we realize just how right wrong our parents were until we were adults. Yes, indeed. I think that's a great point. I can blame my kids for bad behavior on school by Child Care Institute only because I don't believe the mainstream media never surrender. Indeed, CDU. Boots on the ground, lines of cannon fodder, enlisted uh, obsolete time to beat those swords and puff swears in the nation that build the USA. I have no idea what I just read. Sorry about that. All right, guys. Uh, with that, I appreciate you guys very much. Let me go ahead and release the scratch-offs over there on uh, Foxhole. Thank you all for joining us today. Everyone, let me say hello and goodbye to the rest of you guys out there. All the lurkers over there on Tiger Network and everywhere. Thanks for being here today, guys. Much love from Tor3.com. Rumble crowd, a great crowd over there today. Thank you guys very much. Thank you for hitting that plus button over there. And thanks for joining me today, as you guys do every day. Just Mojo still writing letters every week to uh, to prison inmates for January 6th. God bless you, Just Mojo. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, that means a lot to me and the rest of us out here as well. Glenn, Joe Patriot, Marauder, uh, and all of you lurkers over there on Rumble, thank you guys for joining us here today. Much love to you all. DLive, you have to lurk over there. I apologize for that. Just get, take all your money out of DLive because they don't like too much truth. Jissel Frederick and Winemaker, new follows over there on Twitch. Thank you for that very much. I appreciate you guys joining us as you guys do every day. A great crowd today as always. And with that, I want to say much love and God bless you all. We'll see you guys tomorrow for another edition of Uncensored Abe. Have a great evening and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. Embrace that label. Being an outsider is fine. Embrace the label. Because it's the outsiders who change the world and who make a real and lasting difference.